podcasts are an amazing way to get your message out. You get an engaged audience who consume your content anywhere, anytime. And we'd like to help you get started with launching your podcast. Acute helps you conceptualize, produce, package, and distribute. Email us at hello at acute.co.ke. That's acute with a Q. Time to express yourself. Welcome to Yellow Tip. I'm MD, and this 23rd episode explores healthy living, and we explore whether we've been cooking right and other topics. But most importantly, we want to find out, is it really time to throw away your frying pan? Yellow Tip is an acute media original, and if this is your first time listening, we will be grateful if you subscribe. You can find a detailed article on this particular subject on acute.co.ke. And you can also connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Acute Media. Tell us what you'd like us to explore. And tell us if you have any questions regarding this particular episode. So, a bit of history. As early as 2000 BC, the Chinese and the Japanese had begun producing cooking oil. The Egyptian invented deep frying. And who would have thought the impact that will have had in our kitchen in the subsequent years? The guest in this episode is Udo Erasmus, a pioneer in health and wellness industry author to a number of books, including Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. And he has sold over 25 million bottles of Udo Choice product line and in over 50 countries. In terms of impact, Mr. Udo has done an amazing job. But first, how did he get on this path? An unfortunate event where Udo was poisoned with pesticide in 1980 gave him a drive to make healthy living choices. This will break down further. Not only does he have a focus on a healthy body, but he also has an emphasis on a healthy mind. Thank you so much for joining us, Udo, on this particular conversation. Um, and let's just dig into it uh, in terms of knowing. Just talk to us a little bit about yourself and how you got to develop your interest on oil. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me to Kenya. This is a, it's a first for me. So uh, I got in, interested in oils when I got poisoned by pesticides in 1980. And I sprayed them very carelessly. And uh, one day I got poisoned. And I went to the doctor and said, well, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? And she said, nothing. And that was the day that I realized that my health is my responsibility, not my doctor's and not my, not my president's. <laughs> it's my responsibility. And I had very good background in biological sciences and in biochemistry and genetics. So I could read the, the research and I decided to read the research. Uh, and what I focused on was I knew the body is made. And this has been true for as long as we have existed on the planet. The human body, just like the body of every, every other creature, has always been made out of solar energy or sunlight, water, air, oxygen for us, and carbon dioxide for the plants, and food. That's all you need to make a body. That's all you need to make a creature. Sunlight, air, water, and food. Those are the building blocks for body construction. And the energy runs the, runs the body, the solar energy. So I knew that. And so I started looking at 
the research on health and nutrition and disease and nutrition and how those are related and found out that the area that is most complicated and most poorly represented for health is the area of fats and oils. And the reason for that is that omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids that come only from oils are essential nutrients for the body. And that means the body can't make them out of anything else. They have to come from outside because you have to have them to live and be healthy. Omega-3 and omega-6. Now, omega-6 was known to be essential by that definition in 1929, but omega-3 was only established as an essential nutrient in 1981, the year after I got poisoned. And I found out that 99% of the population does not get enough omega-3 for optimum health, that every cell needs them, that they are a nightmare to work with because they're very, very sensitive to damage by light, by oxygen, and by heat. And I thought, oh my God, if we can make omega-3s in a way that they're not damaged and we can bring them back into the diet of people, we could help almost everybody. And I got so excited. It was, oh my God, this is worth doing. I finally found a purpose. By this time I was uh, 1981, I was 38, 39. Right. And I'd always wondered, what, what am I here for and what should I do? And, you know, it was like, oh, my God, here is something where we can help so many people. And so I got really excited. And then it was the enthusiasm and the excitement that we could help so many people. That was the drive behind creating a method for making oils with health in mind. And you have to protect them from light, from oxygen and from heat from the time they're in the seed through the pressing and the filtering and the settling and the filling until they're in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge to keep them fresh. Because if you damage the oils, they lose their value. And oils are the most sensitive of all of our essential nutrients. So they're the most easily damaged. So they need the most care but if you look at all the oils in Kenya, but in North America, in Europe, in Asia, everywhere, they get the least care. We throw them in the frying pan. We turn them into smoke. You know, when you turn oil into smoke, you've changed the chemistry. In fact, you turn them toxic. And the smoke causes cancer. And the smoke causes inflammation. And more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition, more problem than sugar. So we decided if we can make oils with health in mind and we can bring it back, we can affect the greatest number of people in a positive way. Thanks, Udo. I mean, that is quite um, an interesting journey in how you got into discovering your purpose, of which I'll want definitely to go back to that a little bit later. But I'd like to bring you back a little bit to what you spoke about omega-3 and omega-6. How essential are omega-3 and 6 to our bodies? You know, dig a little bit deeper on 
what exactly omega-3 does to our body. I know you mentioned it a little bit, but I would like you to talk a little bit about it. What, what are some of those benefits that omega-3 and omega-6 have to the body? Okay, so let me, so omega-3 and 6 are essential. Essential means can't make them, got to get them from outside because you got to have them. If you don't get enough, you cannot stay healthy and your health will deteriorate and you will get deficiency symptoms because you're not getting enough. And those are degenerative in your nature, which really just means your body starts falling apart, you know, molecule by molecule, cell by cell. If you don't get enough, you cannot stay healthy. You get deficiency symptoms. They are degenerative in nature. They get worse with time. And if you don't get enough of any essential nutrient long enough, you die. So these are the absolutely essential building blocks that life requires for body construction. So that's what, what it means. If, But the good news is that if your health is going down because you're not getting enough, but before you die, you bring enough back into the diet, then all the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed. Because life knows what to do, provided you take responsibility. I take responsibility right here at my mouth to make sure that all of the essential building blocks that life requires to make a body that works come into the body, land in the body, so life can, can make use of them. That's what essential means. And that applies to 18 minerals, 13 vitamins, nine essential amino acids that come from protein, and the omega-3 and 6, two essential fatty acids that come from fats. They really come from oils. The hard fats don't contain much. They're, they all come from oils. And so, and you need both of them, and you need to have them in the right ratio, because if you get too, one, to get too much of one, it crowds out the other. And if you get too much of the other, it'll crowd out the one. So you need to get the ratio right, and they need to be made with health in mind. And you cannot use them for frying. Okay, right there. <laughs> that, 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 that is the, that is the, the <laughs> yeah. most important bit that, um, and I'd like you to break it down. So you've said something that these essentials, the omegas, they are not available in fat, hard fat. Yes, they're only in available fats, yes. in oil. Uh, can you please break down to us products yes. such as um, vegetable oil, coconut oil, olive oil, um, if and and how these come with the supplements? Yeah. Okay. So coconut oil is a is is actually a fat. It has virtually no omega three and no no omega six in it. Olive oil is mostly omega nine, which is monounsaturated, which is not essential, and has a little bit of omega six in it, like twenty percent, and almost no omega three. Uh, what was the third one? Uh, vegetable oil. Oh, vegetable oil. Vegetable oils usually have some omega-6 in them, but it's partially damaged because the processing is not very good. The processing is done with shelf life in mind rather than with health in mind. So most vegetable oils that are liquid, like corn oil, you probably have corn oil, uh, maybe soybean oil. Uh, sunflower. Sunflower, safflower. They all have lots of omega-6, and soybean has a little bit of omega-3. You have canola oil? Mm, not that I'm aware of. 
Maybe there is. How about, how about rapeseed oil? No, I'm not sure if I've, I've come across that as well. Maybe I need to be more intentional. Okay, how about sesame oil? Sesame oil, yes, we do have that. Okay, sesame oil has omega-6 but no omega-3. Mm-hmm. So wherever you go around the world, when you look at the oils in the marketplace, most of them don't have omega-3s in them. Only walnut, uh, canola or, or rapeseed and... Um, and soybean oil have a little bit of omega-3 in them, but not really enough to get optimum. So that's always the biggest issue. The, the single most widespread global essential nutrient deficiency is omega-3, and probably the next worst is vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And then magnesium is also deficient in many places, and various various nutrient essential nutrients have different percentages of deficiency in the population because we don't eat fresh whole raw organic foods because we don't run around naked to get the sunshine that we need to make vitamin d right because we live in in houses a lot in buildings a lot and we don't run around naked we cover our body just our face and our hands are exposed to sunshine and that's particularly not so much a problem in Kenya, but when in you, if you live in North Country like me, in winter, everybody's omega, uh, uh, vitamin D deficient. And for the black people, is more of a problem than for the white people because the black pigment makes it harder to make vitamin D because you come out of tropics where it was very hot. There was almost like too much sun. And then when we migrated north, you know, we I'm a, I'm a bleached African, right? When we, you know, because everybody came out of Africa, right? And when we moved north into Europe, it was more conducive to survival to have less pigment. So over 40,000 or 70,000 years or however long that took, people survived better having less pigment in their skin. That made them a little more efficient at making vitamin D. That's important in the North Country because there's not enough sunshine. And you don't need the protection that the pigment gives you. So in North America, for instance, because we've all moved around the the planet, um, African Americans are about 82% deficient in vitamin D. Hispanic, who have less people, who have less pigment, are about 75% deficient. And white people are, are about 68% deficient. So between white skin and black skin, 68% to 82%. So when African Americans in America have more vitamin D deficiency problems than people with lighter skin. So that's an interesting history, you know, like a biological history. Yeah, that's quite interesting. That's that's very interesting, and I'm and I'm glad that you were able to to break it down and provide those uh, perspectives in terms of why, for example, for a black person, it 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 has to be eighty two percent, and and you saw like for example, like in Kenya, uh, we sort of are lucky. We have the sun almost all the other time, you know, like the yeah. sun is always there, so that is a good benefit. There's something that you mentioned, and I'd like to bring you back there's a point where you mentioned that uh, olive oil is monosaturated this is a type of unsaturated fat right another type that we have is polyunsaturated 
Can you help us understand the difference between these types and the effects they have on our health? So that's a chemical thing. The if if a if a, an oil is monounsaturated, there's a double bond in the chain that makes it chemically more active than a saturated fat which has no double bonds. Chemically more active. So it will spoil quicker, it needs more care. If it's polyunsaturated, it means it has two or three or maybe even more double bonds in the chain. And each time you get an extra double bond, it becomes more chemically sensitive. That's why omega-6, which has two double bonds, uh, is five times more stable than omega-3, which has three double bonds. So omega-3 is super, super sensitive and needs super, super good care to not get damaged when we when we break the seeds and then what happens when it's hit by light then it turns into free radicals and then all kinds of molecule molecular changes happen if it's too much oxygen it goes rancid and smells like paint i'm sure everybody knows the smell of paint right and that's just rancid oil and then if it's too hot but if we're talking about frying pan hot then the molecules get twisted and you get and break and cyclize and lots of things happen that make molecules that didn't exist in nature and molecules that didn't exist in nature should not be in the human body because the human body was made in nature right it was made in nature life made the human body and the genetic program that in is in our cells that regulates how the body works made that in nature and was adapted to living in line with nature. Now, if you look at the animals in Africa, every one of them eats the food fresh, whole, raw, and organic, no pesticides, no chemical poisons, right? Except for us, human beings, we think we're smarter than nature. And the worst thing we ever developed is frying. Because when you fry oils in a frying pan, you are damaging the oil by light, by oxygen, and by heat acting on the oil all at the same time. And, that, and so they ch- the molecules change, they become unnatural, then they don't fit into your body properly, and they can't do the job they're supposed to do, and that's how you get sick. That's how you know. And it happens slowly. You know, it's not like you, take, you eat one teaspoon of fried oil and you, de- you don't drop dead, but you begin to create problems in your body. And you do that for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Maybe you get cancer. Maybe you get arthritis. Maybe you get other inflammatory diseases. And you say, I don't know why that happened. I eat, re- I eat really good because most people don't even know that frying is a really bad thing from a health perspective. You know, not from, a, not from, not from the oil business perspective, but from a health perspective, it's the worst thing we ever do. And that's quite interesting because frying is uh, uh, you know like it's something that let me say culturally accepted um mo- yeah. and, and 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 now you you saying that it's not the right way for example to cook then we are thinking mm, but, okay. but let me interrupt you frying is culturally accepted but do you know 120 years ago it was not people didn't fry people cooked in water and then added oil after even olive oil in the mediterranean that was added after the foods were, fr- were were boiled in water. 
The water was poured off. Then they put in oil because oil enhances flavors. So, so this whole idea of it's a culturally accepted, that only started 120 years ago. And it got really big in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, because the oil industry said, wait a minute, they all cooked their food and water. If we could get them to use oil, do you know how much money we could make? And so they recommended to our mothers to use oil for cooking. We used to call it frying when I was a kid because I'm 79, right? I remember some of that. I, I wasn't born 120 years ago, but about 80, right? And so, and so we called it cooking when we used water and we called it frying when we used oil. Now, when people talk about it, they say, oh, I'm going to go and cook some food, but they, they, cooking means use oil to, to do that. That was called frying or deep frying. Okay. And so our mothers, because it was convenient and they, they told them, you know, oh, this is easier and make your life easier and women work really hard. So they said, okay, that's good. And there was a time when people would say to each other, oh, you know, the industry would never tell us to do something that wasn't good for us. You know, now when you say that, people laugh because we've had so many examples of people lying for agendas, you know, to misrepresenting. So if you could say, you could say it's culturally accepted to fry. Yeah. And it's also culturally accepted to lie. Right. And the two are related. So, and, and, and it's true. And it's not just in Africa. I, you know, everybody uses oil for cooking in Europe. I've traveled widely in Europe. Everybody uses oil for cooking. In Asia, everybody uses oil for cooking. North America, everybody uses South America, everybody uses oil for cooking. That's a new thing. It's only 120 years old. You know, human beings have been around for 200,000 years. Or maybe if you go a little further back, maybe 6 million years. Nobody fried anything until very recently. And this is, a, and this is, a, this is something we've introduced. And, you know, there was a time when... Um, cancer was not as frequent as it is now. Well, how, how do you get cancer? Well, cancer is a disease of toxicity and the liver is toxic in cancer and, and, and the cells, cell regulation, you know, and where does it come from? Living out of line with nature. You know, there are herbs and spices and there are green plants and there are fresh vegetables that, that, um, that don't that don't give you cancer, right? But when you take those fresh vegetables and then you change their chemistry, well, you're you're turning them into something else. And because life never made a program to deal with it, we don't deal well with them. And that's where they used to be called the diseases of civilization. When I was a kid, they weren't called degenerative diseases, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, arthritis, and the rheumatic diseases. Those were called the diseases, degenerative diseases or diseases of civilization. Because in the places where people are not civilized, and this is like a Western standard pretty much, right? In the places where people were not civilized by the Western standard, they didn't get, they didn't get those diseases. And in fact, there were places in Africa. I haven't been there, but in Northern Africa, sort of north, Northeastern area of Africa, they, uh, they had people who ate mostly plant-based. And I think there was a time when most people ate mostly plant-based because animals run away and they're really hard to hunt down and kill. 
You know, that's not true everywhere. And in some places of Africa, of course, obviously that was not true, right? But in, in a lot of places, it was most people ate mostly plants because they don't run away, they don't fight back, and they're really easy to hunt down and kill, right? And so there were people in northern, in, in a northern corner of Africa, they had 108 grams of fiber a day in their food. And colon cancer was unheard of. Now, 108 grams is a lot. You know, they, we were told in North America, we should have 30 grams of fiber in our diet. And the average intake is about 15. We have all kinds of problems with colon, right? In that part of Africa, mostly plant food, 108 grams of fiber a day, no colon cancer. Does that mean if you eat 108 grams of fiber, you will never get colon cancer? No, not necessarily. But if you eat like they do, which is like undamaged foods, unrefined foods, unprocessed foods, basically farm from the farm, you know, you get it the way nature makes it. And then maybe you cook it in water and then you put your spices in it and you do whatever it is you, you do that's culturally available where you live. And you don't get, and you don't get colon cancer. So this applies, what I say about fiber, it applies to everything. It applies to, and, and the most sensitive nutrients are going to be the biggest problem if we don't live in line with the way nature made those nutrients. That's, that's you know, the genetic program can only work really well if you live in line with the natural system that made them as a way to adapt you to live in that system. Every step you take away from that in processing and in frying and in refining, uh, processing is the biggest issue. Every step you take away from the natural state eventually will cost you something. And, and, and right now, looking from, from outside, we think when you process something, you sort of improve the quality, you improve the product. That's what they say. Yeah, because people will say, they, they call them value added. The industry co coined a term. They call them value added products, but they're actually value subtracted. Now, the value added is all of the messing they did with the, pro with the, the, you know, the processing method. That's their value added. But when you look at the nutrition, it's value subtracted. You know, same with, you know, we, we take like a plant when it grows on the field maybe takes about 20 minerals out of the soil. And then we take that plant, we eat it. Then the waste goes in the, in, uh, in the river or, or, or in the ocean, wherever, right? And, it's, and then we go and put three to six minerals back into the soil. So 20 got taken out, only three to six got put back. Well, that's not going to make your soil more fertile. That's going to make your soil less fertile. And then the foods that grow will have less and less of the minerals in them. So it makes a difference what you do. So the waste needs to go back on the land, but then you have to sterilize it because otherwise you start getting diseases that come from, from um, you know, bacteria and, and other microorganisms. But the animals, you know, the animals don't flush their, their poop in the river. The animals eat, eat at the front end, poop at the back end. And then that gets put back in the soil. And then when the animal dies, it goes back into the soil. The question that I have, and, and, and it's around 
trying to live in nature. I'm, I'm sure every other person would like that. But then we're looking at how the system, the, 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 you know, how things are currently designed. It's hard to say, have a farm where you can do the farming. Um, we're having a population that is uh, trying, okay, the population is higher than the supply of food, meaning we have to rely on things like using fertilizer. We have to rely on some artificial enhancement to, to so that we can satisfy that need. How do you think we can be able to balance, you know, the demand as well as the supply? What do you think? What can we do? Okay, I, I think the first thing is, the, and the reason why I'm telling this story, is if you understand what the issue is, it's not that hard to figure out what to do about it. Because you're smart people, right? Human beings are smart. We're creative, okay? So the way we do it here, and it's a different than there, but the way that I do it here, I eat mostly plant-based, whole food, plant-based, and most of my foods are fresh, whole, raw, organic. That means nothing's been taken out. Not much has been taken out. That means I have to do less food preparation. So I don't have to pay for fuel because I'm eating it raw. That means I have no dishes to wash. All of that is time-consuming, energy-consuming. So I'm actually going back to doing something simpler, just like a, like a gazelle will do. You have gazelles in Kenya? Yes, we do. Right? Yes. So you go, so what does the gazelle do? It's walking through the, through the savanna, right? And there's some grass that growing and it's fresh. And then a tongue goes around the grass and then it goes, it breaks it off and swallows it. That's fresh. That's fresh whole food. And the gazelle has no dishes to wash either. Right? So, so we can save ourselves a lot of time by doing less, not doing more. And we like to do, 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 do. You know, and the time you save, you could just spend your time sitting really quietly and feeling how good I hear it feels you. to be alive. And we don't do it. And we do, and we don't do nearly enough of that anywhere on this planet. Right. So and then in terms of what do you exactly do? Well, you know that better than I do, because I don't live in Kenya. But I know that all foods in Kenya begin fresh, whole and raw. And organic means maybe you have to pull some weeds, but it means you have no poison in your food. Yes, that's correct. Right. We used to when I was a, when I was a child in Europe, I, I, we came from Europe. The, the farmers used to get the children to take leaves off the potato plants that had potato beetle eggs on them. And they would pay us a penny per egg. Little kids making money, you know, spending money, helping the farm, helping the farmers, and helping the country get food that wasn't sprayed with pesticides and wasn't eaten by the, by the beetles, right? And it's just part of, that's just part of living. You know what? We have to, it takes some effort to make sure that the food we need grows, gets watered, you know, gets the weeds get pulled, you know, that the insects don't eat them all. The birds help with that too, if you don't kill them with pesticides. 
right? And living in line with nature, you know, as much as we never thought we had to do that. Ultimately, it goes back to, you know what, you need to live in line with nature in the way that nature is in the place where you live. I, I really like the approach, what you're talking about, going back in nature, trying to eat it yeah. all organic and raw. And, and I'm sure there's someone listening yeah. and, and wondering, but human beings went through an evolution. They discovered fire and fire was meant to make it easier and softer for, you know, for the body. How do you respond to such... Uh, perspectives. Well, it doesn't make it easier. It didn't make it easier. We burned everything and then we made ourselves sick with it. There's a story. This is a, a, this is a story from Greek mythology. And the story was this, that there was a guy by the name of Prometheus and God uh, and, and fire belonged to the gods. And Prometheus stole the fire and he brought it to mankind because he wanted to help him. And Zeus, the head god, got really mad. So what he did is he punished Prometheus and his punishment was he got chained to a rock, like to a cliff, chained to a rock and every day an eagle would come and would peck out his liver. And then at night his liver would grow back again. And the next day the eagle would come and peck out his liver again. So there was a well-fed well eagle and it was a really pain for Prometheus. And I started thinking about that. And first of all, I didn't like that Zeus was so nasty. So my thing, my question was, well, how can we save Prometheus from this eternal punishment that he was getting from Zeus? And it was very, very interesting. Give fire back to the gods. Stop cooking the food. Now, what, what I found really interesting is this is from like before, like this is probably from 5,000 years ago, 4,000, 3,000 years ago. This, this story. How did they know that when you use fire on foods, your liver gets wrecked? Because it does. They knew that way back. They didn't know about molecules and they didn't do anatomy classes. They knew that when you use fire on foods, you wreck your liver because your liver has to deal with all the toxins that are produced when you burn the food. So I just thought it was really interesting. So, but, but in terms of, you know, how much time does it take? Well, you know, all the hospitals that deal with all the problems that come from living out of line with nature, we wouldn't need those hospitals. You know, we'd still need some, you know, because sometimes a tree falls on your, on your leg and you break your bone. So we still have things to do. But so much of what we, so many of the problems we have, we've created by living out of line with nature. And then we, because we live out of line with nature and we haven't been educated and we're not willing to do it and we want the convenience that we think is convenient, then we go to an expert who is not trained in natural living. He's trained in dealing with the symptoms. And then they fix the symptoms, but you never, you never fixed your lifestyle because you go back to eating the same garbage and they basically say, well, don't, don't worry about what you eat. None of that matters. But when something goes wrong, just come and see us, right? So how come, how come the gazelles don't need hospitals? I mean, they just eat grass, whole, fresh, whole, raw, organic grass. They don't need hospitals, right? How come the elephants don't need hospitals? You know, how come, how come the gorillas don't need, don't need hospitals? How come no creature 
in nature needs hospitals, except us, because we're the only creature that thought we were smarter than nature and started doing things that are out of line with the natural system that is our mother, our father, and our and our our caretaker. And then we live out of line with it. And then we wonder why things don't work. And the whole world is involved in that. And, and you know, and if I say I'm 79 and I eat mostly fresh, whole, raw, organic vegetables, and people say to me, well, you don't look like you're 79 and you don't talk like you're 79, and it seems like you still have some energy, that's a hint. Maybe that's a hint. Maybe, maybe, maybe what I'm, maybe what I'm saying, maybe there's something about it that actually makes sense. So, um, actually, I, I told you this when we started off. You, you really look energetic, and when you said 79, I was like, wait, what? You need to meet my 79s. Um, the, 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 okay, this is really good knowledge, and 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 we want to. Someone wants to start on this particular journey of living in line with nature. Just like give us the steps. How do I start this? So that at least, you know, it is also not um, at all on me. How does someone start walking in this healthy living path? Well, you know, the journey starts with look at where you are. How many, how often, how many times a week do you eat fried food? Let's say it's seven times. Okay. Okay. How about do it six times? Right? And then if you're used to it six times, okay, how about five times? Okay, you, you eat your French fries. How about you uh, eat a boiled potato instead? Just once in a while. And you literally, you literally start where you are. You know, you don't, this is not about beating yourself up. You start where you are and you recognize fresh, whole, raw, organic. Oh, does that make sense? If it makes sense, then take steps in that direction. Eat more raw food, eat more whole food, eat more green foods, eat more plant foods, eat less fried food, eat less boiled foods, eat less processed foods. You know, if you live in a house, maybe you can grow a little garden. If you live in, a, in an apartment, maybe you can at least grow some herbs and spices on your windowsill, right? No, I, you know, I'm what, wherever you are, you can do something. And just because you can't do it all perfectly, don't use that as an excuse to do nothing at all. It's all small steps, right? Imagine if you take one small step a week, imagine how far you can go in a year. You will, you will have done it 52 times. New step, new step, new step, new step, new step. I didn't start like this either. You know, it took, probably took me five or six years to to make to make the big change. I grew up on on meat and vegetables, although we always ate a lot of a lot of vegetables. But the more I understand the value of living in line with nature, more than living in line with culture. You know, because culture is sometimes off, and then in order to fit into the culture, you do things that are bad for you. Well, you know, my life is my gift from God. And I'm responsible to the gift giver, not the culture, for that gift. Now, I have to live with my fellow man. You know, I don't judge them. I'm lucky because I understand that we're here not to judge, but to love. 
Okay? And why is that? Because our life is love. The solar energy that is your life is unconditional love. It loves your body unconditionally, 24-7, day and night, never goes on strike, never complains, never says, oh, I don't like you. You've been bad today, so I'm not going to keep you alive today, right? And you are that life. You are that life. And that life is the master in your body. Because it weighs nothing, but it runs everything. It is present everywhere in your body. It is all power in your body. It is. It knows everything about how to make your body work. And it's doing its job. And maybe in part of what you can do is maybe every day you can spend a minute or five minutes or ten minutes or maybe even an hour and just become really still, like so quiet, as quiet as you can be. So there's there's no sound, there's no movement. You close your eyes in a safe place and you feel what it feels like to be the energy that occupies the space your body occupies. Because that energy in you is your personal essence and is also your is also your body's master. You know when they talk about the great masters, whether you, I mean I don't know what your story is, but either they worship the sun, which makes sense because the sun is that energy. You know your life energy is solar energy, goes through green leaves, gets put in bonds between atoms. You eat those as food. That's released. That's what you live on. That's your life, right? So when people worship the sun, yeah, it made, actually that made sense. And when people talk about the masters, the masters were in touch with that energy within them, just like you can be in touch with the energy within you, just like I can be in touch with the energy within me. That energy is the master of my body. And that energy knows everything about my body, knows how to run it. If I have questions about living and life, instead of running to an expert out there, why don't I talk to my life? And if I sit down and actually feel what that feels like, you feel so cared for, you feel so content and so peaceful. And then you start to say, oh my God, I am taken care of. This is not about me anymore. I don't have to fight with my neighbors. How can I help? Because there's nothing else left to do when you feel completely taken care of. Then help. How can I help? What needs to be done? It's not about me anymore because I'm okay now. Only because you sat still and tapped into that. And you get better. It gets better as you do that more and more. And honestly, if I was the dictator of the world, the benevolent dictator of the planet, I would make it part of the the lifestyle for every human being to spend some time every day just to sit still, get quiet, see how deep you can, see how still you can become, see how deep into that stillness you can go, see how long you can stay there, slow down your breathing and make it really quiet and regular and experience what it looks like, sounds like, feels like, and tastes like to be the energy 
in the body that is your life, that is formless, that is indestructible, that never dies, even when your body, you know, even when my body is 150 and it's going to go down, eventually it will, that energy is indestructible, never gets sick, never dies. What do you think? I feel like we need to end this right here and and just let that sink in. Like, like it's it's so perfect. And 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 you are right. I mean, we hardly have that time to just focus. I think we have like a million and things pulling our attention left, right, center. And and you describing it, I was also trying to, you know, like feel it. And you could you could tell like, okay, this is a new, there's a new form of energy right there. Thanks, Udo, for that. And and before we end this, um, you spoke about omega three as as an essential building block and omega six. Uh, and I know you've done a lot of research and you've you've detailed this in your book, fats that heal, fats that kill. And 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 from your research, you are able to come up with uh, put all this together from seeds to a bottle. Can you talk to us a little bit about this particular bottle? Well. Yeah, so we, we do we take the seeds and we do that and we, we had to build a whole system where the oils are protected while they're being made. The they're not in Kenya. I've not been in Kenya, the oil's not available in Kenya. It may might one day be, but we're definitely not there yet, right? So then you have to go go to the seeds and nuts that contain the oils and eat those seeds and nuts. And the and the ones that uh contain omega-3, soybean, you can so you can get soybeans in Kenya, I'm pretty sure. Uh walnuts, can you get walnuts in Kenya? They have some omega-3s. And then canola or rapeseed, um, I'm not sure what you call that. We call it canola seed or rapeseed. Uh, it's it's a cruciferous vegetable, uh, R-A-P-E-S-E-E-D. That has some omega-3s in it. Hemp seed. Can you get hemp seed in, in Kenya? Isn't that uh, marijuana? Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, except the seed uh, is, is a form of marijuana that doesn't have the, the, the THC in it. So you can get hemp. So that's called hemp. And that oil, so you get the hemp seeds. That has omega-3s in it. And then how about flax? Flax seeds? Yes, flax seeds, yes. Okay, yes. flax seed has the most omega-3s in it. So every day, this is what I would recommend, you already have omega-6s. Try to get them from cleaner sources. And so go to the seeds and nuts that make the omega, like sunflower seeds, and sesame seeds, those have omega-6s. Flax seed is the richest source of omega-3 that's easily available. Take take a couple of tablespoons of it every day, put it in a blender or chew it up properly because you have to break the seed to get all of that. And that's where you get your omega-3s. And the omega-3s, they'll increase your energy. They'll make your head smarter. They protect your prostate. They protect your, your. Uh, they have so many. They do so many good things. They're like a superfood, you know. And they have good fiber in them, and they have protein in them, 
and they have something else called uh, lignans in them that's also really good for health. And, the, and they have lots of omega-3 and a little bit of omega-6. Mix your, say, let's say, uh, flaxseed two tablespoons, sunflower one tablespoon, or flaxseed two tablespoons, uh, sesame one tablespoon. And between those two, you get enough of the omega-3 and 6s in their undamaged form. Don't roast the seeds. Just get the raw seeds. And if you if you cook them in water, if necessary, you can do that. But you can also just eat them. You know, I have some here. So I have them here. And every once mm. in a while, oh. you know, when I feel I'm mm -hmm. working at my desk, I'll take a tablespoon and I'll just chew them up. Source of omega-3. Yeah, the rest of us take yeah. candy. <laughs> yeah. And this is so, like, you know, you can, can you see them? Yes, yes, I can see them. See, they're just like little brown seeds. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so, you know, the idea isn't, you know, I'm not here to tell you you should buy my oil. The idea is there are omega-3. There are probably some traditional foods in uh, Kenya that have omega-3s in them. All green foods, like all green plant foods, have some omega-3 in them, but they have they're very low in fat. It's the seeds and nuts that are rich in in. Uh, in 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 fats and oils and essential fatty acids, so that's where you get the most. But if you eat a salad, like a green salad, every green vegetable in there has zero point one percent fat, and of that fat, about sixty percent is omega three, and probably twenty thirty is omega six. So that's the that's a way to be able to do to do uh, in Kenya what we do here so you you know so you're not deprived you just can't you just you just don't have the oil mm -hmm. by itself yes uh, something that we have um and and first of all i'm very grateful that you highlighted this particular list to us something that we have and it's common on the shelves is what you call cod liver oil cod liver oil yes. right i don't know if yes i don't know can you talk about a little bit about that um because it is sold like a rich omega-3. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Until, um, until more recently, everybody was getting omega, if they were getting omega-3s at all, they were getting them from either high, high fat cold water fish like salmon and mackerel and tuna uh, north, that grow in northern waters in cold climates or they were getting it from fish livers that are also fairly high. So they'd get cod liver oil, cod liver. Cod is a low fat fish, but the liver is high in fat. And they would get a, not the omega-3 essential fatty acid, that comes from plants, but they would get two omega-3 derivatives that the body can make if you have the essential fatty acid, but that you can also get from the food supply. And those two are called, are called DHA and EPA. EPA and DHA, icosapentaenoic acid and docosahexaenoic acid. That's and and the cod liver oil was uh, sold as a source of those omega threes. But the oils are damaged because those oils. You know, I, I said omega-3 is five times more sensitive to damage by light, oxygen, and heat than omega-6. 
Well, the fish oil omega-3s, EPA and DHA, are five times more sensitive to damage by light, oxygen, and heat than the omega-3 from plants. So they're super, super sensitive. And so, again, you get damage if you, if you can go to, the, to the, the raw material, then you get it without damage. And fish are now the dirtiest meat on the planet. How fish has been so polluted by the pollution of the oceans that it's now the dirtiest meat on the planet. And so more and more people are now going to the plant-based in North America and in the research. It's now being shown more and more. Although the fish oil industry has always said, no, 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 you can't do it that way. You got to have the fish. But it's not true. I don't eat any fish. I do it on purpose because we have the genes that make the conversion of the essential fatty acids. And if you get enough of the starting material, your body does the rest of the work. Your, your life does the rest of the work. So, <clears throat> so the fish oils and the fish oils are a small, they're like a supplement. But what I'm talking about is food foundation oil. Oil fat is a major nutrient, not a supplement. So you need to get the foundation built and that comes from plants. So, you know, and then you can take a supplement on top of that, but the supplement will not replace your food. You know, it's supposed to supplement your food, not replace your food. You don't eat junk and then you've put on a supplement and say, okay, I'm cool now. It's not cool. That's pretty much uh, get to the foundation, get the whole foods, get the sources of omega-3s that are available to you and omega-6s and get them in your body without damage and let life do what it knows what to do when we support it in that way. Thank you so much, Udo. I think that is very solid uh, advice that you that we can take home. <clears throat> so someone listening to you right now and uh, wants to catch up with more of your information and, and maybe want to even purchase your oil, how would you, where would you point them? Well, probably the best way to get a hold of me is uh, udoschoice.com, U-D-O-S-choice.com. And I talk there about the oils and why we made them and how we made them. And so there's pretty good information. And I also talk about digestion, digestive enzymes and probiotics and a few other things. That's uh, And then I have a I have a website called uh, theudo, T-H-E-U-D-O.com. And I have some educational material and some courses there. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I have a YouTube channel. So if, if, you, can, if you can look for Udo Erasmus in any of those places, uh, I'm not hard to find. I've been, I've been doing this for like 40 years now. So, so I'm a fixture on the internet on these topics. Thank you so much, Udo. I'll definitely be checking you out and see if you can deliver your oil to to my part of the country <laughs> yeah it's it would be an interesting it was an int be an interesting thing yeah definitely and we can uh, and we can do this again if you uh, ever want to talk about this and other other things that have to do with health thanks for listening to this installment of yellow tip really appreciate you if you need more information about what we've discussed, there is a detailed article on our website, acute.co.ke. 
And there you can also listen to some of our older episodes and listen to other podcasts. Also, we'd appreciate if you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. You can connect and engage with us at Acute Media on Twitter or directly at me at Morande Dixon. Oh, just a quick one. After finishing the recording, my producer called me an ageist. Imagine that. And apparently it's a type of discrimination or prejudice. You know how we call people being racist or sexist and something like that. And and for this particular case, it's a type of discrimination against individuals or groups of people on the basis of their age. You know? And we do well, I I guess I'm a bit guilty of this. I don't know about you. Telling teenagers that they're too wise for their age or wondering or questioning how an older guy is more tech savvy. We learn every day. This has been Yellow Tip, an acute media original. <laughs>